Hey, everybody, it's Sarah. Just a reminder that this Thursday we're doing a special That's What She Said podcast with a live audience presented by Coors Light. So virtual audience, you'll get to hang out for a great interview with superstar Julie Foudy. We're going to talk about her 99ers World Cup team getting turned into a feature film, what it's like to uh, to sell the, the rights to your life. Um, also, tons of behind-the-scenes on the new Los Angeles NWSL team that's co-founded by Foudy and all sorts of Hollywood stars. So what's it like for her taking meetings with Natalie Portman and Jennifer Garner and Serena Williams and everybody else uh, getting that Angel City FC coming? So Foudy, always fun, always good stories. Also, Tony Reale and Izzy Gutierrez is going to join, spill all sorts of behind-the-scenes secrets from around the horn. So get your questions and your dilemmas ready. You can submit those when you register and get a chance to participate in the Q&A with all my guests. Registration is free, but space is limited. So you got to go to bit.ly slash TWSS1020. Bit.ly slash TWSS1020. That's bit.ly slash TWSS1020 to get your spot. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. Hi, I'm Ega Wodem, and my dilemma is trying to find an apartment I like in New York City. Oh, man, I can't even imagine. I've heard all these stories from my old Cornell classmates, many of whom are successful and love the city, but have gone to Greenwich or Hoboken or White Plains or some suburb nearby because of the prices in New York and the sizes of apartments. Like, I'm I'm not even going to try to help you with this one, because from what I've heard, the cost just to get a realtor is like three months worth of rent here in Chicago. But what I will say is that gratitude for what you have and perspective are always great ways to stay optimistic and be thankful. So... Even if you can't find something you love in New York, I know with that SNL salary, you can find something decent. And if you go to theworstroom.tumblr.com and gaze upon the absolute horror that you could have, the very perspective of knowing that you live somewhere better will make you very grateful uh, because you will realize that at least it's not a $650 a month basement room in Queens with no window, no kitchen, and a semi-private bathroom or a $950 a month Bushwick Brooklyn unit that's just long and narrow, quite cozy, very high ceilings, cause it's a closet with a bed in it being rented as a room. Yes, long and narrow, accurate description. Or $600 a month in Bedford Savasset and it would be a total dorm room thing. The other roommate has to walk through their room to get to yours. And if you just fold the futon in half, you have floor space and a couch. Yeah, yeah. I could go on. Anyway, just go to theworstroom.tumblr.com and see for yourself. Whatever you get is going to be better than that. The commish has spoken. My guest this week is the new full-time cast member of SNL, Ego Wodum, who joined the cast in 2018 and was just promoted to main cast member for this season, which begins on Saturday. She's also in the movie The Broken Hearts Gallery, which is out in theaters now. We had a great chat. We talked about her childhood and family expectations that she'd become a doctor her journey from restaurants to a college admissions job to finally getting her break as a comedian and an actress, her favorite hosts and musical guests so far on SNL, uh, the importance to her of representation on a show that was criticized for a lack of black cast members not too long ago. Um, and also I play a little therapist with her love life and it ends in a surprising twist. We had a lot of fun. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. That's what she said. This week marks the sixth annual KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Aronimink Golf Club in Newton Square, Pennsylvania. As the first ever partnership between the LPGA Tour, the PGA of America, and KPMG, 
The KPMG Women's PGA Championship brings together the best LPGA players from around the world to compete for one of the most coveted major championships in golf. Competing on championship-caliber courses, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship has elevated the women's game to new heights and puts the LPGA players in the national spotlight. And the KPMG Women's Leadership Summit, held the week of the championship, invests in rising women's leaders, aspiring to reach the C-suite by providing thoughtful content, tools, and networking opportunities. Together, they serve as catalysts to empower women both on and off the golf course. KPMG, continuing its commitment to the next generation of women leaders and proud sponsor of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. To learn more, visit kpmg.com slash women's leadership. kpmg.com slash women's leadership. Ah, yes, my obsession with Saturday Night Live and anyone involved continues with my latest victim. I try my best in these interviews not to sound like the Chris Farley character. Remember that time when you... Uh, because that is how I interact with uh, anyone involved with the show, as always. But I'm super excited um, to, to get to talk to Ego, partly because um, I just know people who know you and love you so much. And that's such a nice quality before you talk and meet someone is to have already heard such great things about them. Oh. Um, and before we get into all the current stuff, we got to go way back to Essex, Maryland, when you uh, were just a kid. And uh, I get the impression from some other interviews and things I've read uh, that you came from a pretty strict, uh, smart uh, set of parents that had high expectations for Dr. Ego. Okay, so a few, a few things I have to correct. I'd be okay. remiss not to. I went to high school in Essex. Okay. Um, they'll know why I don't want to claim it. <laughs> uh, I went to high school in Essex from Perry Hall, White Marsh area, born okay. in like Randallstown, but all Baltimore County. So Essex is Baltimore County, but I didn't live there. Went to school there. Okay, um, okay. And then <laughs> set of parents, I was raised by a single mom. Okay. Who, yes. I don't know that she's strict, but she's Nigerian. So all that that entails, like, you know, you got to be a doctor, basically. And I feel like people <laughs> have heard that tale at this point. Yeah. From- <laughs> yeah. For not from, just from you. Not but from, from me, but from any yeah. Nigerian person. Exactly. <laughs> they've ever yeah. Known. Yeah. Um, but I, in a different interview, you talked about uh, watching the movie Lady Bird and getting so connected to it because you felt like it, it made you also realize that parents are just humans and they're just doing their best they are they're just trying their best um i well so i think i moved to college i got to usc 18 years old i'd never lived um away from my family we don't my family doesn't know anyone in california well now they do um but uh my family didn't know anyone in california didn't know anyone outside of like maryland new jersey England and Nigeria. Okay. So, oh, and I should throw Texas in there because they lived in Texas before I was born. Um, So when I decided to go across the country, I, uh, everyone was like, what is she doing? Why does she want to go there? And my mom and I used to butt heads, I think a very normal amount that like teenage girls and their parents butt heads. But um, I I, I used to, I, I just questioned everything growing up. And I was always like, I was per- particular, not particularly submissive to authority, let's say. Like a good, very good kid, I'd say, but also like, okay, yeah, I'm happy to do what you're telling me to do, but you need to explain to me why. Right, um, yeah, yeah. I would have hated and loved to raise me, honestly, because, <laughs> I mean, you don't want to have to explain shit to a 13-year-old. Like, no, you just <laughs> do what I say. Um, so I was that kid. And so when I got to, and I always used to be like my mom, I'm like, you're not just, you're not fair. And I have like such a strong sense of justice. And that used to be the root of our 
yeah. our, our contention over the years, but got to college and I met some of the craziest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and, and then I was like, Oh mom, you know what? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You just uh, wanted me you. to have, you know, the basic shit figured out. That was really yeah. what you were trying for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I was basically, uh, you know, indebted to her. And I realized that when I went away to college that I was like, oh, you just wanted me to have the basic shit figured out. You just wanted me to be a decent human. And you were truly trying your best right. as a single mother. Yeah. What were you into as a kid? Um, were you someone watching a lot of comedy stuff? Were you into sports? Okay. As a kid, I uh, wanted to do gymnastics and my family wouldn't let me. I feel like they were like, <laughs> people get injured uh, doing gymnastics. So like my brother wanted to play football and he did end up playing football in college. Um, but before that happened, my mom bought him a VHS tape of craziest football injuries. Like you still oh. want to do it? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do actually. <laughs> so um, he, uh, he so I I he played football. I was a ballerina. I started in ballet when I was seven, and I did it up until I was seventeen. Wow. Um. Yeah, I did it for ten years, and then I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Um. Not because it's amazing. And when I, I have friends that do ballet now and are ballerinas and teach classes, I'm I get pretty nostalgic. But I was like, oh, at this level that I'm doing it, these girls want to and guys. Um, and non-binary people want to, uh, they want to be dancers. They want to be, they want to do this forever. Um, and I know that I don't want to do this forever and it's starting to cost a lot of money and that ain't right. I was like, <laughs> I'm like you could be spending your money on something else, mom. I know I don't want to be a ballerina. Yeah. So, um, I quit, but that was, that's, that was the one thing I did. I wanted to play soccer cause in Maryland, like I mean, in Baltimore, I can speak specifically for everyone plays soccer and lacrosse and I just never got into it. And then yeah. field hockey was real big. Didn't yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> I was like student government okay. and a ballerina. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You do sound like a tough kid to handle. <laughs> real jackass. Yeah, um, truly. Yes. You know, student government ballet asshole. combo. You always hear about those people cause the trouble. That was, um, I was a little asshole. <laughs> I was. Um, so you end up at USC and you're a biology major because yes. of that aforementioned doctor expectations. Um, what part of you or what percentage of you actually thought, I'm going to take this biology major, I'm going to take the MCATs and be a doctor? Okay. So the percentage <laughs> of me that thought that, it like depends on when you're asking. So like when I was a kid, all I knew was like, oh, you be, you're a doctor. That's what you do. And you become an adult, you become a doctor. So like probably until I was like 13, 12, 12 to 13, maybe I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. That's what is in store for me. And then like when I was, I think I remember turning like 13 and I'm like, no, I want to, I want to act. And um, so I did the thing. So here's the story on this. And I feel like I've told it a few times. So forgive me anyone who's heard it. Um, <laughs> but I had to, I basically made a deal with my mom that was like, okay, if you let me go to school in Los Angeles, go across the country by myself, don't know anyone. Um, 
I will major in biology. I will be pre-med, but I'm obviously going there to pursue <laughs> acting ultimately. <laughs> so um, that was the deal. I majored in biology uh, to set my mother's mind at ease that I wasn't throwing my life away or somehow getting, limiting my options. Um, so I, I did that. And I, at that point, I feel like at like 14, I was like, no, I know what I want to do. I used to send like black, I had black and white headshots and I used to send them to like casting people in California, <laughs> in California, like to the Disney lot. Um, and obviously no response. Right? right. But I was so determined to do this. So I had, so by the time I was like 14, I was 80% sure I wasn't going to be a doctor, but right. I did go through the motions. I didn't take the MCAT. So what happened is my uh, junior year of college, either junior year, or early senior year, I was going to take the MCAT. I, my brother had given me all his books, but he did become a doctor. Um, he had given me all of his like MCAT study books and I was going to study for the MCAT. And I was like, Oh God, I guess I'm going to be doing this too. <laughs> like you just keep going. And my sister went to medical school and um, I don't know that she wanted to. In fact, this is me being like very polite about it. She didn't want to, right. um, but I'm the youngest of four. So by the time like parents get to the youngest, I feel like they go like, just don't be a degenerate, honestly. <laughs> and, and like, you're fine. So my sister, thank God for her, uh, she had moved to LA my senior year of college. So I lived off campus. I lived with my sister and she knew I was about to start studying for the MCAT. And she was like, don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. Uh, and she's like, you are just gonna, I was like, well, no, you know, you get to retain your score for three years. I'm obviously like not going to medical school. I did not apply. Like, I'm just going to get it, get the score so that in case I need to next year, a few years from now. And she was like, don't do it. Don't mm -hmm. do it because what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in medical school. Now, I just want to be really clear here that I couldn't find myself in medical school <laughs> because she's real smart. Like, and I'm smart too. I don't want to downplay that, but she is very smart. My sister graduated high school. She'll hate me for saying all this. When she was 16 years old, um, wow. she went to medical school, got her MD, MBA, things she necessarily was not interested in doing, but like did it and went to a really great school, to University of Chicago for, nice. for med school and MBA. And so hearing her be like, don't do it in my ear, it was just <laughs> like, all right. So I left the books on the shelf to rot and I didn't do it. Uh, and here but you got are. the biology degree. I did get the biology yeah. degree. Literally don't know where my diploma is, guys. <laughs> um, I got the biology degree. Couldn't tell you where the diploma is. Like dead ass serious. Have no clue. <laughs> um, perhaps my mother has it. Um, maybe. That's a big fat maybe because she's moved. So um, have that degree. But it wasn't easy. It was not easy. So that's when she talks about like finding yourself. You'll just wake up one day and you'll be in medical school. I was like, no, bitch, I won't because it'll <laughs> that be takes a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of yeah. work for me. I am not you. Um, um, so, so, but I, then were you in college able to do anything relating to acting in theater and in high school as well as you were pretending that you were on your way to, to, to medicine? So, okay. So my senior, so leading up to like high school, I like... This is bad. Miss Lev, forgive me if she's still alive. I like joined the school play my junior, senior year of high school with like two of my friends. And then like after two weeks of rehearsals, we were like, we don't like this. Oh, no. <laughs> and dropped out of the play. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dropped out of the play real quick. Um, why did you like it though? But thought why that you didn't still I? wanted to, yeah. I think 
Okay. I sometimes wonder if I have commitment issues, um, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, too young to call it then, really. But I, but like looking back, I was just like, this isn't – this play – I can't remember what play we were doing. I want to say it was like Beauty and the Beast. It feels like it was Beauty and the Beast. But I just was like, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Not even the acting part, but it was just like – doing this school play i was like like you have to be somewhere every day at a certain time and you yeah yeah yeah. and i was like i like going home and eating snacks and watching 106 (laughs) in park like i don't i don't want to do this (laughs) and so we all kind of dropped out like the few of us my friends um but i also perhaps this is therapy right now because maybe you'll help me land on something as to why i dropped out of the play playing therapist yeah yeah That's why I do this podcast. I turned every <laughs> podcast into a therapy. I've session. noticed. Just, I listened to a handful of them. We're going to get into that later. Trust me. Yeah, I've already straight up. I just several go, things. Yeah, you want to talk like <laughs> talk? Okay. So, um, I okay. So I started doing. I wanted to do acting stuff, and I kind of got involved in this. Like, I feel scammy. Like. Mm oh, be a model actor program outside of school thing. We didn't know what we were doing. Like, it's Baltimore. Um, you're, you're being still, it, I don't know if it was full scam. It's not full scam because like, I'm be honest, I know how to do my makeup and I attribute that to yeah. the, the, I don't even want to name the place. I'm sure they still exist. I attribute that to the scam school I went to. <laughs> um, so there's something, paid 3000 bucks to learn how to do my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> So, could have just gone to a Mac counter, but yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. My poor mother did that. We could have done that other ways. Um, so I, I did that. So clearly I was like devoted to that thing outside of school. And then my, when I got to college, uh, USC had this, I don't know if they still have it, but this scholarship program called like Renaissance Scholars, where if your majors, if you have a double major and your majors are so incredibly different, um, you could apply for this scholarship. Um, I then was like, great, I'm going to apply, I'm going to be a biology major, but then I can be a theater major as well. Um, so I took a theater class, hated it. Um, and then, (laughs) and then I was like, yeah, not going to happen. Guess I'll just do this other thing I hate because my family is like in support of that. So I, yeah, took the theater class and I did not like it. Um, and then I didn't, I took an acting class out my first, like, okay, we're doing it. It's for real. No more time to waste. My first acting class I took my senior year of college out off campus. Like I was like, wait, you're in LA. Just go, mm-hmm. you can literally go anywhere. You don't have to do this on campus. Um, so I took a class off campus my senior year. By then I was like pretty much done my biology major. Now I didn't say I excelled at biology. <laughs> I just have a degree Yes, you completed it. Yes, I completed it. I didn't make it through. Um, that's interesting, uh, no. though, that like you had all these signs throughout of like, let me give this a shot. Nope, I hate it, but I, I still really want to do this. Like, you know there's no is? part of you that worried about the actual practice of it, not living up to the idea of it. So I just knew I liked performing. I remember like when I was a ballerina, I wanted to skip every rehearsal possible that would still make me eligible to do the performance. Okay, so that was quite literally like by the time I was wrapping up and like, oh, you should probably just quit this. Like the last two years, two to three, it was like, oh, but I love doing the performance. So I'm allowed to miss three over the course of the year and then I can still be in the show. I will absolutely miss three, which says a lot because... I also 
like this was me too. I had perfect attendance in school from second grade to my senior year of, of high school. And I like prided myself on this. Like not that I like bragged about it necessarily, right. but like getting that award at the end of my senior year of like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. I full came to sick, <laughs> school sick and like yeah. <laughs> um, food poisoning a few times, like gray in the face. But I was like, but I had, but second grade since second yeah. grade of that perfect attendance. <laughs> it was like second or fourth grade. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, um so then to know that I wanted to skip rehearsals for ballet uh but still be eligible to do the show says a lot um I didn't worry because I knew that I liked performing I felt that my theater class my theater class like I liked the class I just was like oh I don't want to do this play and then when I was in college in my sophomore year I took that theater class I was like I don't want to my teacher I clearly didn't like me like, and called me Mrs. Neat. And I was like, bitch, you don't know me or my life. And I was like, who are you? Yeah, I was like, you don't know me. Um, And we didn't have a problem. I kept it cool. But I was like, you know, because by that time, I became real LA passive. Um, (laughs) I'm gonna uh, talk about you after this. Yeah. (laughs) You're gonna talk about her afterwards, but not exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, the Baltimore wasn't jumping out as much. But (laughs) Um, she, she didn't like me. And I also was just like, I don't know why I can't see myself. I so did not enjoy this that I cannot see myself majoring in this surely. Uh, and we're talking theater too, which I think is a different type of acting than I do or even necessarily at the time was interested in. So I, um, I wasn't worried. I was just like, I don't know when I, my, I was just like, yeah, I know I like performing. I remember being on stage as a dancer and I was like, in some way shape or form I'm gonna be performing um and I didn't know what it was and even like landing on comedy took some time actually like from when I took that class my senior year of college off campus to like actually getting into comedy was several years before I was like oh like I just slowly started to like find my way in the performance space of like okay I started taking drama classes those were fine. That teacher also didn't like me. Now he does. <laughs> I'm not going to name him, but now he does. But like he, but, but finding my way to comedy, t- it took a little while. It took, took a little while, but I just knew I liked performing. It was a matter of like finding exactly what. Yeah. And I wonder, so, you know, I did the whole second city at conserva- conservatory out in LA and I found that with improv, it's always performing right? Like even the learning process is almost always an act of I'm already doing the thing. I'm not reading about or learning about the thing. Now there's plenty, especially when you get into, you know, historical reference points or filmmakers or director styles or like those things that you're actually learning. You need to do the work to understand what it is to do something in the manner of Fellini or whatever else. But for the most part, almost all of it is the playing of it. And so I wonder if that's what, when you happened upon comedy and UCB, where you went, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, if that was like, oh, this is almost all the thing I like. Yeah. You, okay. So let me tell you that story, which is another one I've told a few times. But it's so, it's, it's wild. So it just, okay. So I got a manager agent who, by the way, my agent, um, at one point was Chrissy Metz because she's my sister's friend. No way. Chrissy Metz of Metz yeah, of This, this Is Us. Is us. Yeah. That's so funny. And, yeah. Like my friend and then agent was Chrissy Metz. Um, <laughs> thank God for her truly. Um, but 
I remember I had, she was one of them. Um, I had a few agents and managers at the time who were like, you should take an improv class. But by that time, say it's like 2011. So I've been out of college for a year. I go, this is starting to feel like a scam, not improv, but agents and managers with development. I'm surprised you already had them to, because to, to even get an agent or a manager without having a bunch of work. Um, the hustle of it all. I mean, they right. didn't give a damn about me. Right, Chris, right. But like, I wasn't important to them. And I don't know how like great or reputable any of them were, but like some of them were to be clear. Like I had, I ended up having very, I landed at like very good, but they were commercial agents. They were commercial okay. agents and they were telling me for, and those are like, I don't know if that's like cool to say, but they're a little easier to get. That's, yeah. you know, commercials are like sort of like, cattle call. And a lot of it is like, look too. like, we yes. need someone that looks like this to send these things when we don't have someone. in. Yes. Yeah. And to be clear, girl booked one commercial, <laughs> um, like booked one regional commercial, like after auditioning for like three years and then booked a national commercial 2018, like the year I got <laughs> SNL. <laughs> and that was, that's the extent of my commercial process. career, yeah. except for the fact that I went to commercial auditions all day, all the time. Mm-hmm. That I lived at commercial yeah. auditions. You're not and getting I paid for the work you do. You get paid for all the work you didn't get. That's the exactly. only way to stay in the business. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So like two commercials over the course of <laughs> 10 years. So, um, so I had these, but I A did a success I, story. I'm so yeah, glad thank you're you so, <laughs> Thank you so much. I really felt like it was getting down to like, maybe I don't do commercials. Cause at that point too, some of my friends who were doing commercials and like booked them very regularly, they were like, I'm over it. And you know, as an artiste, I just yeah. want to do something else. I want, and I'm like, I wish I could book one. <laughs> um, so I made, I made it happen right before the end. But nice. um, uh, I ended up, I like went to like casting workshops and all that stuff. So that's how I got to these commercial agents that I had early days. And then I had a manager um, who was like, and I don't even remember how I got with them. It feels like a workshop also, one of those. I feel like those are banned now, right? Those don't exist anymore. I don't know. Why? You mean because of coronavirus or otherwise? Oh, well, like otherwise. I feel like it became this whole like Hollywood, I don't want to say Hollywood scandal wasn't that big of a deal, but it was like, these are um, unethical in a sense because it's like you are promising people work. Oh, interesting. uh, Okay. They're paying to meet you, but they weren't promising us work. So anyway, that's a whole thing. People read up on it. Um, (laughs) So, so, uh, okay. So I was, I had these agents as manager being like, you should take an improv class at that point in like 2011, I'm a year out of college, 2011, early 2012. I was just like, no, because it feels like you are at this point wait a minute. And I'm not the most trusting person. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. You're now just, this sounds like busy work because I had to go get headshots and now these headshots went right. So now I have to go get different headshots. I'm like, when does the work start? Uh -uh." Mm Uh-uh. Like, get me a job. I need some, (laughs) I kept being like, by year, like two, I was like, I need some ROI because I was a a (laughs) business administration minor also (laughs) in college. I did a lot of shit that had nothing to do with acting (laughs) in school. Other one was like sociology. Uh, So I was like, I need some ROI. Um, and I'm not taking an improv class. And so this is like the kid I'm describing to you, the teenager that's like, Mm -hmm. absolutely not. You can't tell me what to do. And I need to see what you're doing. What are you doing? (laughs) You want me to go take a class? What are you up to? And so for like a year, I was like that. Then like one, I don't know who or what was the last straw for me of someone saying that to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take your little improv class and then you don't have to shut the hell up. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to take exactly one 
fucking course and you can <laughs> shut up. And so I took, I called my friend who was very obsessed with comedy because everyone kept being like, you can take it at any of these four places. You should take one. Commercial casting directors love to see an improv class on your resume. So I'm like, great, I'm going to take, um, I'm, I'll find out which of the four you're telling me any four. I am so not invested in this. And I'm a person who researches extensively, okay? So like, wait, go way too deep into research for things. For In this case, I was like, I so don't care about this that I'm going to call someone else, have her tell me which classes, because my friend was like very comedy obsessed. So I call her and I was like, so they're telling me I can take classes at any four of these places. I'm sure you're well-versed on all four. Where do I go? And she was like, UCB. I did no research of my own. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, great. I'm going to take it at UCB. And I took the Improv 101. And then I was like, first day, I was like, oh my God, I love this. I just I love this so much. And then for shame, I was like, I can't tell people how much I love this because I put up such a fight to not come take one of these classes. And then you learned an important life lesson and it changed you forever. Honestly, I can't, you know, I'm a different woman because of it all. Um, to be fair though, I'm like, well, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today on some real shit if I had not taken that improv class. And I also on so many levels, like not just the SNL of it, like sticking out LA of it. Cause like when I started mm. taking improv, I met weirdos like me that I liked and I was, and they were from all over the place. And um, some of them are still my best friends to this day. I life lessons. I don't want to be too corny, but I feel like so it's so corny because you've done improv as well, but, no, but it's true. That's truly, why like yeah. improv. I learned, I, I did improve as a human being cause it makes you listen and it makes you more go with the flow. And I'm so not inherently a go with the flow type of person. I'm like, need to be in control and in the driver's seat at all times. So it was good for that. That's as much as I'll say about it without, I don't want to sound too corny. So yeah. No, I don't think it's corny at all. And I think it's entirely true. Um, yeah. And like, another thing is if you are someone who wants to be in control and you are someone that's smart, you oftentimes will think everybody's brain is doing what mine is. And what my brain is doing is probably right in this moment. Yes. And then you an <laughs> improv and someone just blows your mind and makes the scene so much better or funnier or quirkier. And yes. you're like, oh no, this is so much better when we're playing together. Cause like you're doing shit I would never do. And right. then if I try to bring it back, maybe we go there, we go. And it is so useful, especially for controlling people who think that their ideas are the best. I know. Um, I know. Especially I mean, when you get it, the weirdos in your class who like go off in their own universe and it's oh. hilarious. And you're like, why doesn't my brain do weird shit like that? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And it's so, it's such a like insight into how everybody's minds work. Yeah. And how ultimately I remember not wanting, one thing I do recall actually is not wanting to, which is very weird. We're there, we're doing therapy, but I, <laughs> I remember not wanting to like do UCB initially when, so when my friend said UCB, I remember being like, okay, I will, like, I'm just going to look it up. And she had said, like, Groundlings or UCB, whatever. She's like, um, they, you, Groundlings doesn't have, like, a graduation uh, show. You're not going to, like, do the course and then have a show. And then she's like, but UCB does. And that's kind of cool. And I was like, so while I had decided, UC, I was like, no, but no. I actually was like, I don't, I am not going to be good at this. So I don't want to do a show at the end of this shit. Like, I don't want to do a show. At the, I don't even know what I'm getting into. I'm doing this to be like, 
I'm putting, put it on my resume, call it a day. I want to take one level and I'll never, I have no intention of doing any additional courses in improv. This bitch, this bitch meaning me, went and did like six courses (laughs) and devoted her entire life to the shit. So, but I was like, I don't want to do a show with them because I'm not going to be good at it. And so I don't want to. And even that for me being like, no, this is an opportunity to like grow. This is an opportunity to be better, to make yourself uncomfortable, go with the place where you have to do a show at the end. And also what a better, and like intellectually, I knew like what a lovely way to exercise the skills you have just mm-hmm. acquired or are trying to hone. Like it then better way than to do a show, to actually do it and do a show in front of an audience. Yeah. But like scared, emotional me was like, but I'm not going to look good. I'm going to look bad. It's going to be bad. <laughs> I'm going to be bad. Um, ultimately, very glad that I did that. But it's just, I don't know. I have a love, love, love relationship with yeah. improv. And, yeah. you it's know, so I good. like to talk to Between shit. you and uh, Heidi Gardner, your, your friend who suggested that I have you on the podcast, oh, who also goodness. just, of course, pulled the whole, well, I was a hairstylist. And then I decided to try improv. And now I'm on SNL. You guys are like walking advertisements for like, my life changed forever. And I discovered. I mean, truly, I, I love going to doing press with Heidi, too, is so fun. I, I adore her um, deep, 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 deep down inside. Um, she because we both have these like very bizarre like I don't know I was doing this whole other thing like you said and uh, I think audiences when we do the press together are like what like this is not what I expected to yeah which is awesome though okay so what year then did you get it start started at UCB 2012 2012 um, I took my first class fell in for so a number love. of years that you were there though and you did a you did a one-woman show and you yeah, worked yeah. with different troops so it was not quite as overnight as Heidi where she's like well I'd said a joke once and then Lauren was like you're in <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's the, I mean like but Groundlings I feel like has I'm over here uh Groundlings has their like arduous process and training program which is like so different it's very it's I think pretty different from UCBs yeah they're um, all different actually. they're so they are very all similar but like one is focused on heralds and then second city's really into style and yeah. yeah 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 and then like I feel groundlings is very character driven and um but I would say yeah I between so what happens in between that time like 2012 to 2018 I do my one woman show first time is December 2017 um but what happens in that uh, that time is fall in love I'm like great I want to do the next course which is wild uh did not see that coming I did not um and my I would say like I made very good friends in my 101 who are still to this day, like my good, good friends. And I think that that's a rarity. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like I was fortunate in that regard to end up in a class with people who would end up being like lifelong friends, Um, especially in 101. I feel like a lot of people take 101 and then like never meet, never see the people in their class again. Um, But I had a teacher uh, who was like, rightfully so. I mean, in some sense, she had said, I think it was my 20, no, it was my 301 teacher. She was like, Hey, if you guys are here to try to just like get on a Herald team, which is a main stage improv team at UCB. Um, if you guys are just here, like your whole goal is to just get on a Herald team. You know, I wouldn't really make that the goal. It's near impossible to do. 
Um, and this, you know, the odds of getting on a Herald team based on the slots that are available, is like harder to get on a Herald team than it is to get into Harvard, statistically speaking or whatever. And I hear that and I was like, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> and this does not apply to me. <laughs> yeah. Now this is more my goal. Yeah, this is even more. You've now that you've said that, I I love it. I'm going to do it. And what's different here than like in academics, um, what made it challenging in a sense, and like why I was like even more up for the challenges. I was like, this is so subjective. This is not objective. This is not like math or science where there is a correct answer. Um, you know, trying to get on a main stage team is a matter of the taste of the people in the room when you're auditioning. What skills you have picked up technically. Um, and that just, I mean, on one hand, some people would be like, you know, my brother used to say to me, he's like, man, the career path you've chosen, though, I don't know, it's really subjective. It's really subjective. Do you really want to do that? And like hard, you know, and I'd be confiding in him about how challenging things are and discouraged I am at times. He was just like, yeah, I mean, you're just in a really subjective field. And I'm, and I was like, yes, and I hate that, but it's good. And it's so different from what I know. As yeah. far as my upbringing goes, I'm good. I want to do it. So one of my yeah. recent guests is a singer and she said, we chose figure skating <laughs> because it's not a, it's not who runs the fastest. It's like, yeah. did the Russian judge like it? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It. It's just, figure it's just skating. truly. Yeah. I, oh, I should say I figure skated for one year, by the oh, way. There you go. I, yeah, I you felt too tall. Yeah. I felt too tall to do yeah. the job. By the time my cousin was a figure skater from like well, that a That explains very, the gymnastics too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my cousin was like at a very young age, a figure skater. And I was this ballerina and they're like, there's so many like similarities in the way you move and what have you. And so I think at 14, again, big year for me, 14, <laughs> I started figure skating. I did one year of it and had like these Rydell boots. And I was like, this is some real shit happening. <laughs> but I, that by that point, I wasn't the height I am now, but I was like, I'm too aware and tall to like want to do these jumps. Like, I feel like it's that's far why away from start. the ground. It's far away. It's if yeah. I fall, it's far away. Exactly. Like just too aware of how far that is. I feel like when you're seven and you start, you're like, yeah. I don't know, I'm jumping. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, because if I fall, that is going to be hard. These skates are sharp. Too much awareness at that age to like start and actually be good at it. Um, but but yeah, back to subjectivity, okay. which is a fascinating part of comedy, of course, and also of those Harold uh, teams and all the improv you're watching. Like sometimes if you just don't get the context of the jokes, like a team isn't as funny to you as some other group where they have more cultural touchstones with you or whatever. But anyway, mm -hmm. so I, I presume that the story ends with you disproving your 301 teacher, making a Harold team and giving her uh, either a hug or a middle finger. A hug to her. A hug. <laughs> I love her. She, um, I feel like, you know what, to add to what she said was like, there are other things you could do at this theater. Like, you know, you can put on a show here and then like UCB is, was, I don't know how to speak of it because right now everything shut yeah. down in the past, but it was, you could do so many other things. So her whole point being like, don't make that your sole goal. Um, you, there are so many other things you could do. You can meet people to collaborate with. I mean, the girls of Broad City, the women of Broad yeah. City, I should say. I mean, they met at UCB. Um, so it was well intended, but all I heard was a challenge. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you, but that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> um, so I, yes, hug for her. I did make a team um, on my second try. Um, lots of second try stories. Got SNL on my second try. What else was my second try? I made a mod team, which is the house sketch team at UCB on my second try. Got into CBS diversity showcase on my second try. Nice. The one thing that did happen on my first try was getting into JFL. 
that was a first try situation. But otherwise, What's JFL? huh? What's JFL? JFL. I just, I was about to say, I don't know what those letters stand for. I do. Sorry. I've been so removed from the world <laughs> that I'm like, I don't know anything. JFL stands for just for laughs. Oh, okay. It's big comedy festival in Montreal yeah. every year. Yeah. Cool. Um, SNL uh, sometimes does their scouting there. That is not where they found me, but, um, but yeah, they do their scouting there. A lot of, a lot of people do like every, it's just a big comedy convention. It feels like. Yeah. I've yeah. definitely heard of it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so let's let's get to that uh, SNL discovery. Uh, okay. How'd they find you? Okay, so 2016, I do CBS Diversity Showcase, um, and I we are banded together in fall of 2015. Our show's beginning of 2016. Some of the scouts from SNL um, in the talent department come to one of our rehearsals, like the week of the show, um, and they see me in that rehearsal. And that's really great. And then they invited me. I was invited to do one of SNL's like auditions in LA. Um, and then from there, I got to, it was 20, yes, yeah, 2016. So it was like April, 2016. I got to actually audition on the 8H stage, They'd like flown out to New York, audition on the 8H stage and like see what that was like. Um, so just a little warm up. Um, and then some years pass, I do my one woman show. Uh, great black women and then there's me in 2017 <laughs> and then through 2018 um and then i'm invited to audition again um in la and i do that and then i get flown out to new york which is real cool and i get to audition on the 8h stage again and this time just in that period have so much more I would say confidence, but I, I mean, per, perhaps it's just like the confidence that is a byproduct of knowing your voice yeah. more. Um, so that's what I feel like I had a better sense of like my own comedic voice. I had written way, like way more. I mean, I wrote a whole one woman show by that point. Um, I had done hundreds more shows in between my initial uh, test. It's called a test. So industry term, I always want to use the term test because I read interviews, not of people, not even my castmates, but like actors. And they'll be like, yeah, in my audition. And I'm like, <laughs> to the people who actually know industry, it wasn't an audition. It was a test. So that's like the final, the yeah, last, yeah. like, okay, are you going to get this job or not? So it was a test. So in between my two tests, I had done hundreds more shows and um, honed my own comedic voice, understood what I thought was funny. And so there was a confidence I had um, yeah. that perhaps... I didn't necessarily have in 2016 as I was like sort of coming into my own. So um, yeah, I did that in 2018 and it was so, so fun. And then I got to meet um, the producers and meet head writers and meet uh, writing supervisors and such. And so it was real cool. And then like found out I got the job and moved to New York overnight like legitimately like found out on a wednesday and i was on a plane to new york thursday at 11 that's like everyone's story and the thing with snl is like they basically are such a big deal that they can tell anyone like oh yeah we're gonna need you in two days and like okay be right there like, yeah i mean at that worry. point legitimately my life was so on pause because it was like am i getting this am i happening yeah. is this happening um and you know they have to tell you by a certain date in a sense, or like give you some sort of update by a certain date. So I like, as that date's approaching, I'm like, okay. And I was living on someone's couch because I had moved out of my yeah, apartment. I was going to say like, what, what were you doing for work all these years when you were trying to do commercial auditions and doing improv? That's a good question. No one ever asks me that. I love that question. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I was, my first year out of college was working for a very, um, a startup of startups of startups, meaning okay. like legitimately this woman decided to start a business and I was an assistant like with two other women with her, uh, for her where we were cre- creating a database of, it was, it was meant to be the Yelp of happy hours in Los Angeles. Okay. Wonderful idea. Um, so I worked for her for some time and then I needed some more security stability. I started working at uh, university, like a second chance university, a la University of Phoenix, but not University of Phoenix right. as an admissions counselor okay. because I got my own office and the hours were f- very flexible. I worked part time and I had like what I got paid, uh, like my wages were like livable. Okay. Um, so uh, did that for gosh, like four years. And then, you know, in between I'd like babysit um, and I nannied for a family. Like, so I left that admissions job because it was like too comfortable. Um, and because I had my own office and I'm sorry, I'm going to admit this here. I, I used to nap in that office. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would be in there taking naps and, yeah. and like save the bulk rest of my up work for the job I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would be in there taking naps and like yeah. the bulk of my work I do in the last like hour and a half of my shift and get it all done. And it, nice. so I've outed myself. That's all right. Apparently I snitched on myself anyway, but it's neither <laughs> here nor there now because you don't control I just me. think, you know, uh, it, that, that stuff matters though. Like what you actually had to do every day along with trying to pursue this, this dream because you have to like eat and pay yeah. rent. And, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that people don't ask that, but yeah, that's what I did. I did try to be a server and like shout out to servers. Oh my God. The worst. I cannot do I had it. stress it's- dreams about my restaurant job that I've never had about being on national television every day. Yeah. Like, it's Let just me tell- not real life. No, I, I did it for, okay. So I did it for one, not even a week. So what it was, was like, I (laughs) very lovely restaurant, um, lovely restaurant in LA. There's, there's one here and I feel like they're a nationwide restaurant, but, but, um, wonderful policy have, they have that their guests have to be greeted within, um, a minute of being there. It might even be 30 seconds. Can't remember. This is many moons ago. I've erased it from my memory, but like, so they put place a card when they see a customer, mm-hmm. they place a card on the customer's table, mm-hmm. which is an indication that the customer has not been like properly greeted and like asked if they want something to drink. Um, but it is every server's responsibility in the restaurant to get that card off the table. Like that might not be your section, but it is a group effort in that way. And so as a guest of the restaurant, that is amazing. I love mm-hmm. it. I, I would, I like that policy <laughs> as a server in that restaurant. I was like, that's very stressful. And I don't get that tip. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't get the tip for also handling your other tables and greeting all of them. And so what happened is I was doing the training program because they had this very like arduous mm-hmm. training program for this restaurant. And like the idea that anyone would let someone be a server with zero experience. I was like, cause that it is a hard to get a serving job as well. Oh my God. Like, in LA, they're like at least six years experience. Yes. Like, I don't want to be a waitress for six, six years. years. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. So I was like, you, I was like the fact that you would hire someone with no serving experience as a server and like train them to be one. I was right. like, amazing. I got it. Yeah. This is going to be fun. This is what actors do. We're servers mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the, in between time. And so what happened is I was doing that and I was like, well, that sounded like a lot of work. I got to greet everybody else's tables. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my tips are just my tips or, yeah. and it wasn't a pool if I remember right. correctly. So 
Um, the day we had to memorize the cocktail menu, um, I am 24 at the time. I think 23, 20, I had to be 24. Um, I didn't really drink in college. And so like, I don't know alcohol. I do mm-hmm. now, um, but yeah. I didn't really drink then. So I had no, so when I'm looking at this cocktail menu, this extensive cocktail yeah. menu, front and back of it, like the wines, everything I, the night before that quiz, I was like, I, this is, I bet everyone else who's studying for this is not having as hard of a time mm-hmm. as I am because they perhaps drink or at some point have been a bigger drinker. And I'm like, this is all foreign language to me. So like now I know the difference between tequila and whiskey and vodka, right? right? Totally. At that time, <laughs> I'm literally like, okay, what is that? Any of this? Cause all I know is alcohol with one big pool. Like I just know <laughs> alcohol, one liquid, a liquid. And so looking at that and I was like, this is a lot of effort for a thing that is not my actual ultimate goal. Right. And so I quit. Was this a, was this perhaps a Houston's restaurant? Oh, damn. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. I knew it was. Everything you were saying, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. And then, uh, by the way, you can also get written up for smiling with your mouth closed, uh, which I did. You can also get written up for your voice sounds too low. Can you make your voice sound higher when you greet the guests so it sounds friendlier? What? Oh, yeah. Okay, see, I knew something was up. Okay, this is the thing. I was like, I know the type of person I am and like down to like your nail color, which like I get (laughs) in your nail length. Yeah, I understand as a customer, I don't know if you necessarily want a person serving you with like the crazy long nails, but I was like, so I can't paint my nails because of my real and the, but the thing that your your point is so right like once you become older and you go to these restaurants you're like oh now that i look around i'm so thankful that they have such a strict thing because it's such a nice experience but when you're like 22 you can't afford to eat there you yes. can't afford to eat anywhere nice and you're just like this shit is annoying because i worked at Gulfstream. That okay was my yep. restaurant job which is the houston's family yes and same thing just all the same yep. just the, the yep. nightmares the stress it was i did I, not work there for a week i was there for like a whole year plus made a lot of good friends learned some good things about okay. you know how to how to work in hospitality and that i never wanted to work in okay. <laughs> yeah but that's so funny that i totally recognize everyone i, I was things. like i i figured i was like anyone <laughs> listening will know what Probably i'm gonna pick name up them, on we this. named them um, it was Houston, which okay. is an pl- amazing place to eat that french totally. which shout out yeah it bandera and, and in LA. Listen, I, oh my god bandera so and i have friends who still work at those places and they've nailed it they've just now they've got it down and it's nothing but yeah. like yeah 22 year old morons oh girl saying, i quit no, i quit much. i dropped yeah. out i go hey i know i'm not going to be devoted to this <laughs> yeah and we so, uh my, my roommate stole a sriracha once and we were like power to the people <laughs> it doesn't matter um okay i need to get into some snl um and i want to okay. do some um some quick hits on that because i'm just always fascinated by this okay. uh so you end up on the show um yeah. So far, who's yeah. been your favorite, like, former cast member to stop by and do a show? Ooh. Okay, this is tough. It's going to be between – this is tough. I, I, I love to answer a question clean, honestly, yeah. so I'm mad at myself right now that I can't answer <laughs> this clean. It's between Eddie Murphy, Maya Rudolph, and Ooh. Adam Sandler. Oh, okay. Okay. It's bet- yeah. And that, you, you just hear those names and you understand why it's totally. tough for me to pick one. It's who's hard. Your, who's your favorite host so far to come in and spend the week with and work with? Okay, favorite host to spend the week with. Why do I? Um, favorite host. I think I'm going to go, oh gosh, it's going to be between Harry Styles and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, so, so similar. Yeah. 
I totally get that. <laughs> yes, because I just enjoy different things about them. And totally. honestly, I didn't want to say three people just now because I just said three people. But the reality is it's really between Eddie Murphy, Harry Styles, and Jason Momoa. Just such lovely, okay. lovely yeah. people. Yes. Momoa, I love those surprising ones. Like the first time The Rock was on and I was like, oh, he's like super funny. Or Jason Momoa, where you're like, oh, he's got this. Yeah. Uh, what about musical guests? Was there a band that you were like, I can't believe I get to see them play or, or get to know them? I feel like there is, but because we're working, I can't, I'm not, my memory is a little f***ed, so, yeah. but there is, hold on. So I really enjoyed, God, who was it? I don't, I don't want to say, cause I'm going to mess this okay. up. I'm going to mess okay. this up. I'm sorry. No worries. It's, but they're, it is, they're tough on the spot. So it's more just if something like pops into your head, you're like, oh, I remember this. And my ass is so like adamant about answering these things correctly because anytime <laughs> anyone asks me, they're like, you really don't have to be so pressed. And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to get it wrong. Say, Someone's going to take offense. <laughs> you no, know, it's just that I remember being on, like I'm having the memory of being on the floor and being like, I have chills. I am fascinated. And yeah. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what about an all-time dream host and musical guest? Easy peasy, Jamie Foxx, host, do the music. I said, wow. Jamie, Jamie okay. I call him Uncle Jamie. He doesn't know that. I've never met him. Um, <laughs> he's not my uncle, uh, but Jamie Foxx. Okay, I love that. Um, what were your expectations joining the show? Because there was some criticism at one point about representation on the show. And then it was like, you know, they're adding in these voices and faces. And it feels to me from the viewer's perspective that there's been this incredible embrace of black culture and the, the black members of the cast and not in a forced way, just in a, this, how much you guys bring to it. But was there a lot of pressure being one of the few and coming in sort of in that second wave after that initial criticism? I, I, you know, I consider it a, honor and a privilege and i say that and it sounds like i'm bullshitting but i truly do consider it an honor and a privilege to be the seventh black woman on the show um i it's it feels like a responsibility in a sense um but i feel that sort of, sort of sense of responsibility just because i walk around in this skin in this body all the time to represent myself um well um but I no, I don't know that I feel pressure and I, I'm really grateful for the women who came before me and sort of laid a foundation and opened the audience's hearts and minds. Um, so I wouldn't say I feel pressure. I just feel like truly honored and I take it like, I know we're talking comedy, but I do take it really seriously. Yeah. Um, and that and when we're speaking about that. So I think the show evolves as society continues to evolve. The show is evolving in that same way. Um, and so that's exciting to be part of. What's it like doing SNL at home? And, and what are the expectations? Is the upcoming season going to be another at home or are they doing a bubble sort of thing? So the, the upcoming season, our next show is October 3rd is our show. And we are in studio. Um, and so that's exciting. Uh, we're in studio and uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know that we're in a bubble but I want to be like in an NBA bubble. Like I want to be I, for real. I'm like, I love this little NBA bubble and their loved ones get to come. And like, we got anyway. So I want, I would love to be in a bubble. Cause then I'd feel like a basketball player, but, but you don't know yet. They haven't mentioned to you the specifics on. No, but I think they're right going to like be following all the like protocols very closely because the union we're all part of um, right. what they require. And perhaps I feel the show will probably be going above and beyond what the bare minimum protocols are. So, but we don't, um, what's kind of exciting about the show that's sort of carrying itself into this is that it is, 
so uh, unpredictable. Um, and sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. But like in this case, it's uh, as the producers sort things out, I'm sure they'll be coming down the pipeline to us, but we are like protected, taken care of, and they're yeah. taking that really seriously. Do you expect big differences in terms of your role? You, you're becoming a main cast member. Does that mean anything besides just the amount of, in, in theory, sketches you're in? Or is it also a contribution on the writing side and the, you know, all the other stuff? I mean, right, I, I came in writing, um, uh, writing and performing immediately. And like, I feel, it, I mean, it's really nice to be at the show and be able to exercise both of those things. As far as now being main cast, I just feel excited to be like, in this club of repertory players. I don't know what that means for this season because it's an election year and the things we need to yeah. cover in that regard, but I'm not sure what to expect. But again, that's like part of the show's deal is like, you don't know what your season will be like. And yeah. so to say, well, it does mean you get a lot more Maya Rudolph up in your life, which is great. Come I on. know. I'm, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I, I truly hope that that is the case. I love having her around. It's yeah. amazing. She seems amazing. Um, man, there is so much I wanted to get to that we didn't. And I didn't get to play therapist on your love life, which you <gasps> seem to bring up in every other podcast you're on. And so we can talk about my love life fast. What's your question? Well, so we totally pimped out Chelsea Handler when she was on because she was looking for love too. And I noticed the theme across many of your podcasts is, you know, get me a husband. Uh, <laughs> So my quick therapy session for you, based on the other yes. things I listened to and combining all of the things you've talked about, because yeah. you mentioned on another podcast, you've never had a boyfriend. You did yeah. have like a four year thing with a guy who was kind of like a psychopath, yeah. um, but it was long distance and it wasn't yeah. really committed. So you don't consider it a boyfriend. Yeah. So I, I think it's a combination of your, your belief in having a tough exterior, your unwillingness to trust people and your desire <laughs> to be controlling that has convinced you that that has made you successful in other areas of life, but be not being vulnerable in your love life and treating yeah. that differently than your work is the reason that you won't let anybody in and therefore <laughs> you have found yourself unable to find love because I have another friend who is very like, I also have another friend who's never had a boyfriend despite being gorgeous and successful and wonderful and cool and everyone loves her. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always trying to crack the code because that just does not seem possible, which is how I see you. And I really do think <laughs> that at some point you're just going to decide it is not worth it to put up these walls. It is not worth it to have to always be in charge. And when you let that down and just let somebody else in and see that soft side of you right away, instead of waiting forever, then you're going to find your person. Wait, I got an update. Okay. I have a boyfriend. <gasps> what? Your first, you guys are going steady? We're going steady. Okay, it's right. 1982. We're going said, steady. Yes, I will go out with you. <laughs> he said he'd go out with me. I'm wearing I'm his letterman so jacket. I'm happy for yes. you. Yeah. Well, okay. Yes, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I don't know how to navigate that space. <laughs> But I don't know how to navigate that space, but we're trying. We're trying our best. Good. And okay. Some of what you said is correct. You know, need Good. to just open up, let someone in, be okay. tender, be a little tenderoni. Yeah. And, um, uh -huh. That's not my default. I'm a sweetie. I always say that I'm a sweetie, but I'm not like uh, with the guys. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't surrender. I think sometimes people forget that it can be scary to be the man too. And so yes. if they're expected to make all the moves and woo you over and you're never soft, then right from the start, they get this vibe of like, she's not into it. And now I feel insecure about what I'm saying and doing. Yeah. So then maybe I'll just go on to someone else. And then meanwhile, we're like, well, you can't get soft yet. Like I got to be tough now. And then maybe later. And then by the time later rolls around, it's too late and they're already gone. 
That's true. Well, dating some preschool that's, teacher that's like really nice. That's true. That's true. I yeah. can say at least one time where I look back and I go, huh, I think perhaps this person was looking for a cue from me mm-hmm. and I was not giving because I don't <laughs> give too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm very excited. I went on an emotional journey with you in all the podcasts I listened to about your singledom. And now here we are. What a wonderful, what a wonderful, we solved it. exciting we development it. I mean, in your life. We'll see. It's still early days. So like, I can't wait but- for the media to pry into it and try to ruin <laughs> it. <laughs> Trying to figure out who my yeah, man is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I, I do. We, 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 we succeeded. Like 2020, 2020, it's not all one, going to hell. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. <laughs> um, well, when you come back, we'll have to talk about Shrill, which I yes. love, and Brockmire and all the other stuff, because uh, I'm going to force you to come back because we... Um, you know, of course, there's some. I would love to. Yeah. Sarah, have but, me back. This yeah, is but first, before I let you go, you need yeah. to do something that everybody does, but nobody expects. I didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. It's the Spanish Inquisition. It's the same 10 questions everybody gets. Number one, what's your Desert Island album? You can only have one. Um, oh, c- College dropout. Wait, college dropout by Kanye West. Okay, okay. Number two, what habit or quality has contributed most to your success? I would say praying every day. Okay. Number yeah. three, what would you consider your biggest failure? Um, act, um, biggest failure, um, the pupusas I made recently. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> okay. All right, I'll allow it. Number four, have you ever been in a fist fight? No. Number five, if you could switch lives with anyone for one day, who would it be? Um, goodness. Beyonce. Good one. Very common answer. I think yeah. we all want to be Beyonce. <laughs> I know. Uh, number six, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Um, when I opened my back door to my house and I was only in my underwear just to try to sneak down to get water but my <laughs> landlord's son, who's a grown man, saw me and I lied and said I have pants on, but we could both see I didn't have pants on. Pretty embarrassing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, my very pregnant friend just Winnie the Pood to put, take her trash out yeah. and thought that she could just open the garage door to the back alley, drop it in and walk back. And another <laughs> friend of ours happened to be visiting a friend who lived across the alley and turned <laughs> when the garage door opened and just saw her like Winnie the Pooh giant t-shirt no. and she's like super proper and she's that like, was me bell just mortified for life <laughs> about Winnie the Poohing it uh, number seven what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve uh most like to improve um I'd like to be more gracious to myself Ooh, that's a good one yeah uh number eight if you could be commissioner of life for a day what one rule would you enforce that all of society would have to adhere to you need to be f-ing kind. <laughs> Bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number nine, what's the most scared you've ever been? Um, most scared I've ever been, perhaps the cockroaches in my apartment. Ooh. Yeah. My grandma used to call them palmetto bugs to make them That's sound less too bad. sweet. I, even and, when people call yeah. them water bugs, I'm like, these is roaches. It's a cockroach, yeah. <laughs> And I grabbed one under a chair once during an Easter egg hunt. And it no, why you do that? <laughs> uh, number 10, what three words would you most hope people would use to describe you? Um, kind, genuine. Kind, genuine. <laughs> uh, 
uh, intelligent. That's I don't stand by that third one, but yeah, kind, genuine, okay. intelligent. I like it. I'll allow yeah. it. Yeah, uh, finally, you. who should I have on this podcast? Um, you should have Carl Tart. Okay. Who's Carl Tart? Carl Tart it writes on Keenan's show. He's a wonderful okay. writer, performer. He guests on Comedy Bang Bang a bunch. One of the funniest people I know. Yeah. Carl. All right. I'm on it. Yeah. Ego, I know you're busy. I so appreciate this. And um, I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to have you back sometime down the road to talk about uh, all the goodness that we didn't get to. I'd love that. I'd love it. Thank you for having me today, Sarah. That's what she said. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me and I fix it. This week, it's when you get to the end of a beloved show that you're binging and there is none of it left. I somehow missed Parks and Rec when it was airing on TV, so I've gotten so much joy in watching it start to finish during this COVID mess, and it's been pure and fresh and totally aided by knowing I was finally catching up on all the jokes and memes and songs and everything that Parks and Rec fans have been referencing for years. I literally cried during several episodes near the end, and when I got to the group hug and Mike Schur saying that's a wrap on Parks and Rec, I realized that now I have to say goodbye to all these characters that have been bringing me so much joy for months. One day if I snap, it's probably going to be about this. Like, why do shows have to end? We could do at least three more Lil Sebastian tribute episodes, several more Unity concerts, uh, an endless number of town hall meeting episodes. Uh, Leslie going gaga over meeting Joe Biden and Michelle Obama scenes are endless. I mean, I get it. I got to move on and the show has to move on. And there's lots more shows that can bring me joy in this unforgiving hellscape that is 2020. But none of them will have Leslie Nope. And she's such a badass, perfect, lovely character. You know, an overachiever with a heart of gold and a penchant for scrapbooks and a dream of becoming the first female president. She's a great friend. She's the arbiter of morality and fairness. And she loved fiercely and she raised up everyone around her. And in my next life, I basically want to be Leslie Nope. And she's gone. All right. I feel good about what we accomplished today. It's time for me to give Psych and the marvelous Maisel and Ted Lasso the attention that I'm told they deserve, I will report back. There, I fixed it. I hope to see you guys Thursday night at the extra special live virtual That's What She Said. Go to bit.ly slash TWSS1020, and I'll see you there. Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour. Well, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>